This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today I begin a new message series. Now, if you're like me, when you look at that bulletin, there's a word that sticks out and you don't like that word. What is that word? Rejection. You know, it all begins when we're really young that we experience rejection. And it hurts. It not only hurts, but it can also become internalized. So it defines how we look at ourselves. And we can feel like we are no good or we're worthless or that we uh, are not um, uh, valuable. It's just so sad the impact that rejection can have on us. And so this is a very important series. It's an important series, and you need to know why. We are in spiritual warfare, are we not? Okay. The enemy's agenda is destruction. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the enemy that comes like a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy's agenda is destruction. The enemy's strategy is division. How does the, uh, the devil bring destruction? By dividing and conquering. And not only is the enemy's agenda destruction and the enemy's um, strategy division, the enemy's tactic is to use offenses. Offenses. If the enemy can plant an offense in your heart and in mine, he can divide us and then destroy us. Do you see how that works? Destruction, division, offenses. So we're going to be talking about this all the month of June. But my prayer is that many of us will put the devil on the defense by dealing well with offense. So here's we go. First of all, we see in confronting the rejection cycle that we really need to reach up for the grace of God. If it weren't for Jesus Christ dying on the cross, if it wasn't for God showing us that he loves us and accepts us in our sorry state, we would be despairing of all people. But because God loves us, it makes all the difference in the world. And so what you're about to fill in in your message outline, I pray that you'll pull up your message outline and take notes because this will be very cathartic. This will be very healing for you. I pray that God will begin a work in renewing your mind. So instead of seeing yourself the way others saw you when they rejected you, you will see yourself the way God sees you who loves you, accepts you, and gave Christ for you. All right? So first of all, 
The rejection cycle begins with rejection. Rejection is when you have been rejected by a word, you've been slighted by an action, or maybe there's been someone by their inaction who did not meet your expectation. And in these ways, you were rejected. It could be an overt, um, blatant kind of rejection. It can be a covert or subtle rejection. And by the way, those who are closest to us have the greatest potential to offend us, don't they? Your family, your friends, people at work, at school, uh, at church, you can be offended so greatly by these. Now, just because someone rejects me, that doesn't mean everyone rejects me. Part of the healing of overcoming the rejection cycle is to realize that just because one person rejected me, or maybe a few, doesn't mean that everyone rejects you. You don't have to go around thinking, okay, what's your reason for rejecting me? Some people walk around with a chip on their shoulder, and they're just waiting for the other person to prove that they're right, that they're going to reject them. Not so. But more importantly than all of that is this. Jesus loves you no matter what others choose to do. Do you believe that? You see, what I'm about to tell you can change your life. You can go around expecting people to reject you because that's been the pattern you've experienced thus far, or you can focus in on the fact that Jesus loves you no matter what others choose to do. That's very healing, and that's affirming, and that strengthens you. I'm going to get to that in a moment, but let's look at a verse here. It says in John 15, 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The word abide means remain in my love. Jesus loves you. A quick story. There was a woodcarver, and he made wooden people. And the wooden people walked around and talked, and it was like a little village. And they went around giving each other stars or dots. When those were um, smooth with their wood, they gave them a star. When they could lift up heavy things, they gave them a star. When they were, um, you know, very smart, they gave them a star. But poor Punchello, when he would try something, he would trip and fall, and they'd give him a dot. And then when he tried to explain himself, he would just trip over his tongue, and they'd give him a dot. And his wooden figure was covered with dots while others were covered with stars. And one day he saw Lucia and she was without arms, but she didn't have any dots or stars on her at all. And he said to her, how is it that you don't have any dots or or stars on you? And she said, because every day I go and see the woodcarver. You see, every day she would go to see the woodcarver, and she said, you should go to see the woodcarver. Oh, I don't know if I should. But finally, Punchello had had it. Went to see the woodcarver, and the woodcarver said, Punchello, you know me? Yes, I made you. I've been waiting for you to come to me. What are all these dots? People certainly are giving you bad marks and disapproving of you. But 
that's not the way I see you. I love you. And he says, what about Lucia? She doesn't even have arms and no dots or stars stick on her. How come? And the woodcarver said, because by visiting me every day, she believes, she chooses to believe what I say as being more important than what anyone else says. And I say, I love you. You are valuable to me. I made you, and I don't make junk. That began the change in Poncello's life. And he began visiting with the woodcarver every day. And when he believed what the woodcarver said, one dot fell off. You know the punchline of that story, of course, is the more we spend time with the Lord, the more we spend time in his word, the more sticks and stones may break people's bones, but words will not define us. What will define us is who we are in Christ. That's what defines us. Anything anyone says, any view, opinion anyone has of us does not matter, does not count compared to what God thinks of us, what God says about us in his word. Amen? That's important for your healing and for mine. A corollary point is just because someone withholds love from me, that doesn't mean everyone will withhold love from me. God will always listen to you and will never withhold his love from you. This is very important because you may have experienced abandonment. You might have gone through divorce. You might have experienced abuse. You may have gone through something that was horrific and sent a message to you that seems to define you to this day. But there's good news. There's a force, there's a power, there's a person greater than anything that has happened to you, and his name is Jesus. He loves you, he listens to you, and he'll never withhold his love from you. He's poured his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit. He loves you with an everlasting love. Do you believe that? That's so important. Here's a verse about it. Psalm 66:20. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. God loves you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Hebrews 13:5. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Secondly, rejection leads to feelings of worthlessness. When someone rejects you, you feel worthless. It's like, woe is me. I'm unimportant. It's like the little boy who, when they were asking in class, what do you want to be when you grow up? One person said, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. What do you want to be, Johnny? He says, I want to be possible. Possible? Why? Because my parents say, I'm impossible. It's funny, but it hurts at the same time because this little kid got the message he was worthless. And just because someone may think you're worthless doesn't mean everyone thinks you're worthless. This is so important because we internalize 
a key person's view of us, and then we think that defines us. That's who we must be. But God has already established your worth, and because of him, you will always have worth. God loved you so much, he made you in his own image. We're made in God's image. And then secondly, God loves you so much, he gave Jesus to die for you. You are are worth Jesus to God. Wow! That's a game changer if you'll let it go from your head to your heart. You see, you have been bombarded with all these negative messages of rejection, and you need to fill your soul and heart with the messages of God's love and acceptance and of His estimation of your value. You are valuable to Him. It says in the Scriptures, Luke 12, 6 and 7, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God notices a sparrow who is not forgotten, how much more valuable are you to him, and he doesn't forget you? I think we need to just take a nice, long, hot bath in God's love. You know what I'm saying? We need the renewal, the refreshment, and the restorative effect of basking in the fact that God loves us. Now notice the corollary to this, that just because someone doesn't value me doesn't mean that no one values me. God values me enough to send Jesus to die for me so that I can spend eternity with him. This is important that he wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants to save your soul, and not just your soul, but he wants to redeem your body. And he's made that possible through his sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Is that not love? God so loved the world. God so loved you. Put your name in there. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. And the verse says that so clearly in John 3.16. Well, now, when you experience rejection, you feel worthless. And when you feel worthless, you then start having feelings of self-hate. It's very sad how the digression occurs. You move from saying, I'm... I can't do anything right to I'm no good. Have you ever trafficked in critical self-talk? I know I have. Where you just say, you jerk, how could you do that? That was stupid. And then you just move subtly to you can't do anything right. And then what's wrong with you? You're damaged goods. You're messed up. Have you ever talked to yourself like that? Because of the messages that you received and the hurts and the wounds and pains that have been inflicted upon you, we need to wash our minds with the word so that they're renewed, thinking after God and God's word. So instead of self-hate, it says, just because someone has rejected me doesn't mean I should hate myself. You see, God has always loved you, and you can rely on his love. It says here in 1 John 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, 
And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What happened to Pancello when he believed the wood carver, that the wood carver loved him and made him and doesn't make junk? A dot fell off. And you can start shedding all of these messages of rejection by meditating on God's steadfast, faithful love toward you. The more you meditate on God's love, the more dots, the more criticisms and, and rejection messages fall by the wayside. They become dim whispers instead of constant shouts of disapproval. Which would you rather hear? The self-critical tapes and CDs played over and over again? Or would you rather hear about the love and affirmation of God that builds you up? And we have a corollary to this. Just because someone has rejected me, that doesn't mean I should condemn myself. And that's so important. That's easy when someone says, you stupid person, or, you know, how could you do that? That you can condemn yourself. Now, my father didn't mean this, but I was helping him while he was under the car, and he asked me to give him a wrench. So I grabbed the wrench, and he was in a complicated part of where the car is, and I tried to reach down, and the wrench fell from my hand and hit him. And he yelled out, you ignoramus. I didn't even know what an ignoramus was. I've never heard that word. But the way he said it, I knew he was really mad at me. And I knew he was really disapproving of me. Now, again, this is not let's beat up our parents kind of thing. I'm just sharing with you that you never know when an offense may come from someone close to you and hit you in the soul in such a way that it defines you. And at that point, I thought, wow, I'm an ignoramus, whatever that is. But I know it's not good. And that really stuck with me for a long time. Subconsciously, consciously, my dad thinks I'm an ignoramus. And you know, we need to stop condemning ourselves. God will never condemn me because I am in Christ's family. I am in Christ, and because Christ died on the cross and paid for all my sins in full, when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now the problem is, That God may forgive me, and God may not condemn me, but sometimes I put myself above God, and I don't forgive myself, and I don't stop condemning myself. Now, who's greater, me or God? God is. And if God says, I forgive you, I do not condemn you, who am I to refuse that, to reject what God is saying about me? I must accept it. And believe it by faith, because it's true. It's true, 100% true. Finally, after you've been rejected and you feel worthless and you traffic in self-hate, here's the sad part, is that you engage in negative behavior. 
the very thing that happened to you and the way you were rejected, unfortunately, you pass it on. You reproduce rejection to others. Now, it may be your coping mechanism to protect yourself from pain that you reject others. It may be just because when your family was growing up, you just railed on each other all the time, and you were used to railing on someone as, as a sign of showing your love, because that's how love was defined back then. But guess what? It's easy to pass on rejection. When you hurt, you tend to hurt other people. And just because someone has rejected you, that doesn't give you license to do what is wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. God has given you the power to do right. And sin will not be your master. Through Jesus Christ, you can break the rejection cycle. You can be the transitional person who won't pass on that rejection that you received. It says here in the scriptures, this is God speaking to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You see, Cain felt offended because God did not receive his offering. He worked By his works, he thought he'd be accepted. Abel offered the sacrifice of shed blood, representing the grace of God and and the sacrifice of Christ, our Savior. And his offering was accepted. And Cain was offended, and he was angry at Abel, jealous of him, and hatred, hateful towards him, and wanting to destroy him. Do you see the devil's tactic again? I mean, his uh, agenda is to destroy, his strategy is to divide, and his tactic is offenses. And so now Cain is offended, and he's separated from his brother in feelings of jealousy and anger, and he destroys his brother by killing his brother. Instead of listening to God, this is your opportunity to not take rejection personally, and pass it on to others, Cain passed it on and killed Abel. You have the power to absorb that rejection so it doesn't go any farther. I want you to look at our, our scripture memory verses. Our scripture memory verses are right there in the top of your message outline. It's the reference Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, and it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's the secret. Now, I have here something for illustrative purposes, and... Um, It's a Tupperware container filled with sand. This represents you. Sorry, I don't have anything more attractive, but for the time being, we'll just go with that. Now, in my hands hands are tongue depressors. Now, let's let's pretend that these tongue depressors represent offenses. When somebody ignores you, you feel offended. 
and it penetrates into the sand of who you are. When someone uh, says something that is hurtful, you feel offended. And that, too, sticks in the sand of who you are. Uh, When someone just doesn't even show up for a meeting, you feel offended because they didn't meet your expectation. Next thing you know, someone just looks at you wrong, and you feel offended. And it goes on and on and on. And this is the devil trying to fill your life with offenses. And the more offenses he can get into your life, guess what? He's now built a fence between you and other people. But even worse than that, he's imprisoned you. You're now in a jail of your own making. You're so focused on yourself, the world is according to you. Who's going to offend me next? I'm miserable because everyone's always offending me. And how do I get out of this prison? And the answer is, I must forgive. I must release these offenses against me. And when I forgive, I pull these offenses out. And the only way that I can pull these offenses out is by the cross. By the cross. Notice it says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. How did God in Christ forgive you? If anyone had the right to be offended, it was Jesus. He was innocent. He fulfilled all righteousness. Yet he was betrayed and he was beaten and he was nailed to a cross and executed like a criminal. Yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, Jesus absorbed our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. And when you forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you, you choose to rip up the IOUs of people's rejections against you and put them at the foot of the cross. The only reason you and I can forgive and release offenses is because we have experienced forgiveness, because we have experienced the grace of God. If we had not experienced the grace of God, His unmerited love and forgiveness and acceptance, we would, even, we would not even know how to extend that to other people. But because we've experienced God's undeserved forgiveness and grace and acceptance, we, through faith in Jesus Christ, can forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. It is possible by the Holy Spirit's power for us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. But too often, our lives are so full of offense that our negative behaviors Our bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and all kinds of malice. And all we do is perpetuate the cycle of rejection. When is that going to stop? Who's going to stop it? It's up to you. Will you be that transitional person? The last point is this. This is the corollary. That just because someone has been rejecting me, that doesn't mean I should act distinctly destructively by behaving in a way that sets me up for more rejection. 
Sometimes we reject someone to protect ourselves, but it only causes us to be more isolated. That doesn't make any sense. It's like the guy who uh, his car had a flat in the middle of the country side, and uh, he, he was heading to a farmer's house wanting to borrow a jack. And he was just imagining in his mind the scenario. I'm going to go to the farmer's house. I'm going to say, can I have a jack to fix my, uh, my flat tire? I, I don't have one in my car. And, and the farmer's probably going to say, well, that was stupid. Why didn't you have a jack in your car? Why didn't you check your car? You know, do you have a spare? And, and he's going to be mad at me. And, and he's going to give me a hard time. And, and he's just rehearsing this rejection. He's anticipating all this rejection. And, and, and when he knocks on the door, the farmer opens the door. And he says, you could keep your stupid jack. And he walks off. What, what just happened? What happened was he was anticipating being rejected He acted out on that, and he was rejected and only more isolated. Now, here's an important principle. I love Pastor Judd because he's upheld this from a professor of his who wrote a book called The Law of the Harvest. Since I will pay for my bad choices and be rewarded for my good choices, I'm going to make good choices. You see, it says in Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And the same with rejection. If we keep on sowing rejection, we will receive rejection. But if we keep sowing tenderheartedness and kindness and forgiveness, we receive tenderheartedness, kindness, and forgiveness. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.